This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable blade knives, fixed blade knives, and game processing kits. Now, we've all been there before, trying to field dress your wild game with a dull knife. This is where Outdoor Edge really steps in. With the Razor Safe system, you can have a brand new razor sharp blade with just the push of a button. No more dull blades and no more problems processing your wild game. To check out all of the products from Outdoor Edge, visit OutdoorEdge.com. And at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30. That's N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off of your purchase. Welcome, folks, to the Freshwater Bite Podcast, your source for everything freshwater fishing. I'm your host, Lee Kleino, and on this podcast, you will hear from diehard anglers like yourself, the backstories of those anglers, techniques they use, gear reviews, and everything in between. So if you like fishing, turn it up, because this episode's about to kick off right now. Woo, I'm back, everybody. I'm back. It's been a minute since you've heard from me on this podcast, but there's been some, just some shit that's been going down that's been distracting me, but make no mistake, I'm back here. I'm on track. We've got more podcast episodes coming out for you to carry you along and all the great content that you've been loving so far over the past three and a half years. So on this episode, I'm joined by Larry Jennings and any local Michigan angler will probably recognize Larry from his he's he's the founder and the creator of the Jonah Jig which has become super popular especially this time of year as you're listening to this right now you should be using a Jonah Jig if you want to go after salmon that are staging to run um, up the rivers personally it is my favorite way to catch salmon um, it's a one-on-one battle just a jigging rod in your hand in the open water and when a coho or king hits these things it's like lightning at the other end of that rod it's just a fun way to in a unique way to go after a very large species of fish freshwater fish here in michigan but people use this all throughout the united states whether you're fishing for them on the coast over in the pacific northwest or if you're on the east side of the united states wherever salmon are running these things seem to love Jonah jigs that Larry created and you hear his backstory behind where he came up with it, but he also gives you guys some really great tips and pearls, especially if you're in the state of Michigan here on how to go after them, um, on the West side of the state, uh, to fill your freezer with fresh salmon. So without any further ado, please welcome my new friend, Larry Jennings. Yeah, Larry, I got you. Man. All right. Excellent. Dude. <laughs> what's so, up man what have you been doing i'm so sorry it's fine don't worry i am it. so sorry i'm you know it's kind of funny it's like august and in september it's pretty funny i have people that hunt me down at the boat ramp and they're like i feel like i caught a mythical creature like they're like i might as well caught sasquatch like i got you you know like it's really funny i'm like i'm, I'm not normally that hard to get a hold of but anyway so you are a mythical creature you're like you're becoming like a uh like a michigan staple if that makes sense like uh, oh really that's kind of scary you're so. a rare gem up especially up in that area <laughs> Boy, so <laughs> I appreciate it, but man, so yeah, so I'm sorry, uh, sorry, it's so hard to get a hold of, but we got it. We're blocked out. Here we oh, go. I'm a, thanks for having me on. 
yeah, hey, thanks for you know agreeing to do this. We've had a great conversation on Friday, but obviously I wanted to get you on the podcast because I just think that uh, your story is cool and you've got so much to share. And uh, it's a special time of year, which we'll get into for everybody to uh, become aware of. But um, before we get too far down that um, that rabbit hole, let's talk a little bit about yourself. Who is uh, Larry Jennings? Who is me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, uh, man. Um, Take us back to your early fishing days, man. What do you want to know? Well, um, grew up in Michigan. Moved, moved, born on the East Coast. Moved here when I was one years old. So basically, my entire life grew up on the West Coast of Michigan. Um, basically... My dad was a fisherman and, and I just, I was always with him and he got me out no matter what. I mean, I was like five years old and I caught my first King salmon, kind of grew up in the heyday of salmon fishing and, uh, and so the bad, bad years too. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I, uh, basically, um, grew up on the water and was always close to water. Couldn't imagine not having water affected with the college in Indiana I was remember being pretty depressed because I was far away from water. I'm like, what do people do here? You know, so, <laughs> Just it's really sad. Look at corn all day long. <laughs> it's yeah, I mean, Indiana is a beautiful state. Don't get me wrong. And, and I like to waterfowl hunt. I used to do a lot of waterfowl as well, but which is excellent for that. But, uh, uh, yeah, so yeah, but I've always been around water. Um, basically my early years, again, salmon fishing, trolling, uh, the boat, my, uh, my dad, they had a Mustang that towed our boat, which was awesome. Like, I don't know what year it was. It was like, it was like a early seventies Mustang. What kind of boat was it towing? And it was like a 16 foot, like the thing had like bat, mo- like bat wings on it. Like it was an old, like old school sixties, you know, you know, boat. I don't even know what it was, man. That's it was awesome. So, you guys went so- salmon fishing on the big water in it. Oh, heck yeah. We were miles out. It was really funny. I mean, it was kind of back in the day when, you know, you went out and what you had and, uh, it was, you know, trolling was new and all that stuff. So yeah, grew up, uh, yeah. So grew up around all that and that, I guess I was thinking about like the whole salmon culture, you know, when it was getting started in Michigan and uh, if I could use that term, but yeah, it's like, yeah. So that was that. And I really did inland stuff too. You know, my grandpa was, you know, at the conservation club, he was, he'd take me, he worked at the conservation club in Muskegon and, and, uh, uh, he would take me with him and I just fish off the docks and my dad, my dad, uh, you know, my dad and I would just go do all kinds of sucker fishing in the spring and ice fishing, you know, tip ups and pike and all that and perch and Muskegon Lake and all that stuff. So, um, but yeah, so what was, I, what was your, um, I'm, I'm curious, your 16 foot boat, what was like, what was the trolling setup then? Did you guys have like just two downriggers off the back that you manually cranked up or were you guys just kind of throwing boards out, getting them way out? Man, no, it, it was before. Yeah, no, it was, yeah, there were like, there were some manual, like homemade downriggers. Oh, I mean, cool. like the old school, you know, um, you know, I really, there's a lot of really innovative people. I mean, in Michigan sportsmen in Michigan. So, um, yeah, you know how it goes. I mean, it's kind of like, 
you know, I remember the first flip up shanties ice fishing even, you know, like, you know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. There's clams. I mean, it was like there was manufacturers in, in North Muskegon area that were making stuff and kind of playing around with that before like fish trap became a thing, you know, and like, you know, so the same thing with the downriggers, you know, um, I think the very first cannonballs were like, I remember, I mean, the early ones were like a rope in like a coffee can with like concrete, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I and like a clothespin for a release, you know, right. like crazy stuff. So, but back then, like salmon, I mean, they were so thick. I mean, I remember trolling with my dad. We didn't have that. We weren't that crude, you know, like right. we had fancy, like hand crank one, you know, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So we did all that. Um, I remember though, like you get into coho and they would just beat you up. I mean, they were just, you know, every rod. So it'd be like three, four rods, you know, like four rods out. It wasn't like these massive spreads and, you know, the, the technology we have today is mind boggling compared to what we used to fish for out in the, out in the big lake. So yeah, I grew up out there and, and, and I really got into, I was thinking about this. I really got into fly fishing when I was about 12 years old. So I kind of did the whole, you know, conventional tackle, you know, type of stuff, but I really kind of went pretty, pretty, pretty deep into fly fishing when I was about 12 to 14. 12, 12 years old, I started tying my own flies and I actually had a past, the pastor at my church was a fly fisherman and, and, uh, but I'd hang out and became, he was a, he was definitely a, a huge mentor in my life. And, and I remember going to the river and, and really learning to read water and fish and, you know, the entomology, all the bugs and all that stuff, um, you know, really kind of got into that. And so, uh, that was really, uh, that really, I was thinking about that even like just how formative those years were fly fishing. I was pretty much a hardcore fly fisherman throughout like high school, junior high, later in junior high and high school and into college. And basically I just, I was fly or die, man. I, I you know, I, it's all I did was fly fish. And so, um, just became the lifestyle. Like it always does with everybody. It seems to consume them and everything they do. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I mean, if you're going to get proficient at something, you got to kind of burn the ships, you know, and oh, absolutely. Not so you got to like go for it. It's like, and I literally remember taking my fly rod out and just learn. I'm like, I'm going to catch fish or I'm not. And it's okay if I don't, and I'm going to learn something new. And so that was kind of funny. Cause even in college, like that's when like river runs through, it came out. Everyone wanted to be Brad Pitt. I mean, it oh, was yeah. like, yeah, that whole, those, all those years. So, um, I, you know, my friends were like, yeah, you're just a hipster. You're just an old hipster. I laugh. I was like, I was doing it before everyone, you know, it was cool, you know, and then it became really cool. And now, you know, um, fly fishing is kind of going through ebbs and flows, but, but I really enjoy the fly and, uh, really enjoy that, that craft of creating my own tackle and doing all that. And so that, uh, I just really enjoyed it, you know, and I learned to read water. I think one of the biggest things that fly fishing taught me was, was, um, to observe and to really dial in your presentation and because fly fishing is hard, man. I mean, there's times where trout, especially, I mean, if that, if you're, if your fly is one size off or one couple shades off, uh, there's times where they'll just, they'll get so selective and they'll snub you and you, yeah. So, and what yeah. I hear, and what I hear, I mean, that changes sometimes by the hour. Like you could oh, be, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. you could be throwing one size and you know, some folks that I've interviewed in the past saying like they'll hit it for 20 minutes and then it's just like nothing. And then you're like, yeah. what do I got to do to change it up? And like you said, it's changing size, colors and all that stuff. 
Correct. Correct. Yeah. And I, and I lived in, I lived close enough in the Muskegon river. That's where I really cut my teeth on the, you know, fly fishing, which is an amazing tailwater. Um, was, you know, fishing that I remember just being in blizzard hatches and really cool, really cool years doing that. And, and, uh, you know, I became a youth pastor, uh, worked with junior high and high schoolers for 20 years actually, but, and had a chance to, you know, teach a lot of kids to fish over the years. And, and, uh, I've had opportunities to fly fish and, and fish just, you know, all kinds of fishing. I mean, you know, both coasts of the U S both coasts of Mexico, Central America, uh, Alaska. And so I've been able to really, um, what you know, took you on all those adventures to, to travel like that? Some of them were like mission trips and other ones were, I, I'll be honest with you, just the Lord opened, opened up doors. So I just friends or just crazy, crazy opportunities that, uh, just happened. You know, um, I was in Nicaragua, around right Lake Nicaragua doing, wow. we we're building, uh, homes and, and, uh, uh, doing some, doing missionary work down there with, I had a bunch of high schoolers from Traverse city, took them down to, we went to a, went to, uh, uh, went to an island out in, out in uh, the middle of uh, Lake Nicaragua, and we had a day of fun. And everyone else went like wanted to go swimming, and uh, myself and a couple of one of my leaders, one of my students, decided to go fish with the local dudes, and that was just a wild experience. That was the craziest thing. So Man, we're in I a bet dugout. You learn so much from other cultures with when it comes to fishing like that around the world, you know. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, it was way cool, way, way cool. And so, yeah, in Alaska, I had friends that were in the coast guard and they were like, Hey Larry, you want to, you know, their kids were in our youth ministry and, and they were going back to Alaska for a few days and they had some tickets and some miles. So they took my wife and I up there with them. That was super generous. Uh, way cool. Got to fish Kodiak, you know, Island. And, and actually we were there the first year they shot deadliest catch. So, um, the very first year and uh it, before it had aired they just shot it we were there during the three-day king crab season that year and and remember still getting king crab off the boat and uh-huh. yeah catching coho you know what i mean in the, <laughs> the river and just it was so cool yeah yeah so you know in mexico and so again like you know you know florida all the way you know all the up and down the both coasts of the u.s and so you know a lot of times i try to fly fish if i can i like i really enjoy the saltwater fly fishing game and that's a lot of fun i've caught giant tarpon and i've done you know lots of snook and um a lot of that kind of beach snooking and sanibel and all kinds of cool stuff so you know i'm curious how did when you were teaching fly fishing and things like that to a lot of the the high schoolers and middle schoolers i'm just curious how did they take to it i'm just curious on like their their fresh perspective on it did they is it something that was like one of those things like when they when they got into it, they kind of caught that bug like you did and really immersed themselves or was it just, uh, some of them did, you know, um, you know, again, I wouldn't take our entire youth ministry out, but I would have a few kids that would maybe show interest or have things, or maybe they needed just to spend time and just get away, you know, and sometimes it was a great, you know, time to just talk about life and yeah, exactly. So, uh, but yeah, no, some of the, some of the kids really took to it and really, uh, you know, went on and, uh, you know, we really went on and continue to do outdoor stuff and all that. And, and, uh, I, you know, when I would take, when I take kids fishing, you know, I would usually take them to places that, you know, it's kind of a slam dunk, you know, I would take like fly fishing. I would take, I would take them to like, during like the cat, we say these giant caddis hatches in, uh, on the Muskegon, they don't have them as much anymore, but, uh, there, uh, we would have those giant caddis hatches and you almost can't 
fish a caddis wrong, you can drag it on the water. You can skip it on the water because the females will lay their eggs. They'll ovipos- I mean, they're laying eggs. Ovipositing is the fancy fly fishing term. Or the, the mountain but they're laying eggs on the water and they splat on the, they kind of hop on the water okay. and sporting eggs. Anyway, you can just drag a fly across. So it doesn't really need, you don't need a lot of skill and the fish just smoke those flies. So yeah, I would take them in easy, you know what I mean? Almost slam dunk kind of places. And uh, yeah, they really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, a lot of good, a lot of good, a lot of good memories doing that kind of stuff. It's kind of like, I mean, a mini version of almost like guiding in a way, you know what I mean? Without obviously the, the, the business structure and everything, but you know, introducing to people like that and getting them out. I think, I think it's really cool. You did that and you got the opportunity to do it all over the world. Yeah. hundred percent. Really, really enjoyed it. So we always joke about my guy like, yeah, running a free guide service here, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we always laugh. My, I was noted one of the kids that helps me out. We joke about, we're like, Hey, we just started a website free, free charters.biz. We were laughing about it. We're like, I don't know about a business model, how good that would go. Well. But we laughed about it. But yeah. So, so what brought you back up to Travers? Uh, actually, uh, Lord called me up to a church up here and back in Oh two actually. So, so I, uh, I was at a church downstate. Actually, lived right in Nuevo, right off the Muskegon for a few years. It was my first church for almost five years, and then uh, got called up here. and And uh, like I said, uh, made a ton of relationships, friendships, and 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 going to a new area. I had no idea the resources. I've listened to your show, by the way, and I've been I've been binging on your show the last week or so. So I you know really appreciate what you're doing, and oh, thanks, really man. your show and your work doing this. And, uh, but, uh, you know, so I, I know how you appreciate this area. And when I moved here, I just basically, it was, yeah, for the church and for the ministry up here, uh, high school and junior hires and, and, uh, just happened to be two blocks from East Bay right here. And some of the best bass fishing in the, you know, in the country is right, you know, two blocks from my house. So, so when I moved up here, my, my fishing changed, I got out of the rivers and we have rivers up here, but but uh, I really did a lot more warm water fly fishing and then started plying the waters deeper for all these other species. So. How was that fishery like when you first got up there? Like I know obviously the Grand Traverse Bay area is very well known for smallmouth bass and has for quite some time. But like what drew you back to your, you know, the way you learned the fish with your dad, like salmon fishing? Was the salmon fishing kind of, you know, still good or was that during the bad kind of like the down years in O2? It was okay. It wasn't real great. And actually I didn't have a boat then when I moved up here. So pretty much pretty much and I didn't do the river thing, you know, for salmon. And just not my game. And I did a lot, you know, I I had that available right in the Wago, but uh but I just I, I kind of pursued a lot of, when I first moved here, I really pursued a lot of the fly fishing stuff and, and, uh, and the salmon thing, I was kind of out of that loop for, for a few years, actually, probably five, six years. And we had another, there was another pastor on staff who had a boat and, uh, he didn't know how to fish and I knew how to fish. I didn't have a boat. So, oh, perfect. So we kinda, and for, yeah, it was kind of funny because there's everybody's trolling out in the heart, you know, out in the bay. We drive right, you know, I drive right past east bay every single day and uh i was i still remember saying that to him i go dude i go i don't have a boat but i know how to fish and he goes i don't he goes i have a boat but i don't know how to fish so like, <laughs> yeah, horses and again it was pretty cool when he moved he ended up moving and leaving and 
going on to other stuff. And he, he actually kind of sold, sold my boat. So I basically had all the tackle, all the trolling gear. I, I took care of the equipment and he took care of the boat. Oh, that's cool. And so it was, yeah, we joined forces and, uh, ended up, he actually ended up leaving and I bought him out of his, his, you know, I bought him out of the boat and ended up keeping the boat here. And I mean, he basically gave me the thing. I mean, it wasn't, he was very generous in that, but, uh, we, yeah, I just had this old, uh, 22 foot Bayliner ski boat, uh, open bow, <laughs> four <laughs> cylinder. I mean, the thing didn't go super fast. It went like 27 miles an hour, which is terrible if you're into, you know, high speed tubing and all that stuff. Inboard, right? Inboard. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it was hilarious. Cause we just trashed that boat. I mean, we, we absolutely filled that thing with sam- so much salmon blood. It wasn't even funny. I mean, it was, it was, it was pretty torched by the time we got rid of it. We finally sold it, but it was just, uh, oh my goodness. We just slaughtered fish in that thing. And, uh, we trolled, you know, we were here in the bays and did the lake trout trolling for the lake trout and, and all that, you know, a lot of that nonsense. And, and, <laughs> and, and then we, you know, go to Frankfurt. Frankfurt was really good. So that was around 08. I'd say 07, 08 maybe. And uh, we would troll around and we troll. I'd be at the islands three, four nights a week, you know, the Manitou's. Right. We'd be out there and, you know, so that was cool. Frankfurt. It was really good the years, you know, so, but I did take a few years off. I just could have a boat and, and then we, and then Dean and I hooked up and did that. And that was way cool. And, uh, yeah. Well, from being out of the salmon game for so long, you know, kind of cutting your teeth in the fly fishing game, when you went back to salmon fishing, did you apply a lot of those principles that you and your dad, or you you grew up learning with your dad, or did it take you a little bit to figure out um, the salmon game again? No, it was, I, I still remember it being pretty easy. I mean, and I had a lot of friends who were in the, you know, chartering and stuff too. And, okay. and so I just made connections. I had connections with people who were, you know, mates on boats or what. And uh, so that was kind of fun. So yeah, no, I actually, you know, Honestly, though, I was thinking about like the, the value of my fly fishing years has really helped me in all angling because it really does cause you to pay attention to the little things, you know, my buddy, yeah. you know, the word minutia, you know, it's like the little tiny little things that just the, all the details that sometimes make a humongous difference when you're fishing. And so it, uh, yeah. So I think, I think that, that just the observation and paying attention to what's going on instead of just, instead of just doing things the way you've always done them, but really paying attention and being, being versatile. Can you, can you give us uh, if, you know, a brief example of that? Because I had it written down here in my notes when you were talking earlier about how fly fishing really taught you how to read the water. And I was going to try to see like what you had just alluded to. How did reading the water or being more patient help you in your salmon fishing like an example like whatever you can think of off the top of your i think head. I, I think i think observation you know like so like when uh, jim who was uh, one of the mentors and and, and uh and uh sorry phone just oh, no well, it, i'm gonna shut that up all right so um uh the you know with jim fly fishing with jim i remember you know he was the pastor you know he helped mentor me when i was growing up and like junior high. And, uh, I remember we would go to a river and we wouldn't fish. Like, you know, me, I'm like ready to go, man. Like we're fishing and I want to tromp right into the water. Oh yeah. I can. Fishing. 
And he's like, no, he goes, we're going to sit here. And I'm like, what? And we would sit there just quiet for like a half hour, which is a long time. If you're just like, let's go catch fish, you know, like especially being a teenager. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, oh man, people know me, you know, it's like, and so, so I, I remember sitting there on a rock and just watching the water and all of a sudden you start seeing what's actually happening around you. And, uh, you notice hatches, you know, it's a fish rising, you notice different things. And so, so then we would sit there and we would come up with a game plan. And, you know, I think so much of, of good angling is just, just being patient and really observing and being a, you know, really studying what's actually going on there, what's really happening, Mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, when it came to salmon fishing and trolling, I would, uh, I'd pay attention, you know, some guys really live and die by the, the temp breaks, but I realized, you know, like I got to have a fish hawk again, or the temperature is, I got to know all these things. But, but if you really look at it, most of the active salmon, when you're fishing the shoulders of the day, morning and night, when you're fishing, you know, those, you know, those low light periods, those Kings come out of temperature all the time. I, you know, many fish I've caught in 75 degree water trolling, I mean, or 72 degree water, uh, you know, those fish aren't when they're active and feeding, they're coming out of, they're coming out of their comfortable temp mm-hmm. that totally changes during the day. Obviously they'll go right. out to stay cold, but, but you know, just stuff like that, where I'm like, man, I always run a high line. I always have, you know, I always got something up high and, and this is years ago, you know, um, fish hawks really weren't a thing. They were, they were around, but they weren't, you know, they weren't widely used. So, um, but just observing stuff, you know, and, uh, one of my best days ever, we we're, my wife and I were launching the boat here in East Bay, going salmon. We were going to go troll for salmon. And there was like these birds. The only time I ever saw that out there, they were like birds, like working bait just down the shore from where everyone was fishing. And like, it was like, a, it was like an ocean type of thing going on, you know? And I'm like, you know, like you'd see in the ocean where you got birds and bait and yeah, where they kind of hover around and then just dive bomb down. They dive bomb, yeah. They were dive bombing yeah. on this bait. And I'm like, and everyone's doing trolling the bank that they normally troll. Uh-huh. I'm like, uh, there's a pile of bait right there. Those birds are actually, again, you don't see that a lot here. And uh, I'm like, something's pushed that bait to the surface where they're getting, you know, annihilated by these birds. I'm like, I'm sure there's salmon underneath it. It's like late August. And we trolled through there and just, just beat the snot out of them. Well, everyone else, everyone else drove right past them. They were just, just north of the launch. It was crazy. And I'm like, guys, it's like a feeding frenzy, a blitz going on right here, and no one's going there. And it was just so simple things like that. I mean, if that's a good example. I mean, it's just. It's you like know, a bait pants. sandwich. You got the birds from the sky, and then the salmon underneath. They're kind of pushing them all into this area. That's super cool. Yeah, and it was uh, and it was crazy to me how many guys. I mean, all these boats would launch, and they were going right past it. You could see it from the launch. Right. I'm like, uh, we're gonna go right there. And I remember pulling, uh, you know, it was back when I was, you know, pretty much trolling and. I remember just trolling through there. We were, every time I went through, we were just smoking fish. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah, so paying attention. That's it. I think that's a cool tip. I mean, I've talked about it here on the podcast before. It's And it's tough, and I'm victim to it too. It's like, you know, some people don't have that much time to fish, whether if you're a weekend you know, warrior or whatever it is. But, 
you're right. It's like we're all kids at some point. We're like, okay, we got this free time. I just want to hurry up and get out on the water and wet a line right away. And I think a lot of the times as, you know, I evolve as an angler too, I try to at least go through some kind of process in my brain to slow down a little bit. But that was really cool. That's why I wanted to ask you about what you learned from the fly fishing side of things. You know, I think that's something that a lot of us need to just take the time more to step back and observe. Like you said, that's a super, you know, that's a hot tip right there because if we, I never, I, I didn't know if that was like something like, a lot of people were just born with to be really good anglers and, and, and figure out, or if it's something that could be taught and could be learned. And that was encouraging to hear how your mentor taught you to do that. And it's something that you've implemented all throughout your life. And, you know, it's something that we can all hopefully start to practice more and more. Absolutely. That's helped me and served me very well. My basically, you know, all the years I've been fishing. It's uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so you're, you're trolling for salmon, obviously awesome, efficient way to, to catch Mm -hmm. fish. And then you start this business. Can you get a little bit into where that idea came from? Well, the business part is kind of way down the road. Um, I just wanted to catch fish a different way. I mean, you, you, you use the word efficient and that's exactly what it is. I mean, trolling is very efficient um, way of harvesting fish. I mean, we, you know, especially in the years that I was, you know, like that 07, 08, 09, I mean, we had a lot of salmon around. Uh, I think my years are right. Someone, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but around those years. Um, but I, we were trolling, you know, we would just stack fish up, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, there wasn't a lot of big fish around. Like if you broke 20 pounds, that was a big deal. But, um, not yeah, like, like, not like it, the new yeah. state record that just yeah, came in exactly. at what? 47 pounds or whatever it yeah, was. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, yeah, I remember, you know, now it's like, it's hard to catch one under 20. I mean, most of our fish this year have been over 20, you know, wow. they're averaging 24, 25 pounds. I mean, really awesome. And so, uh, but yeah, so if you, if you broke 20 pounds, it was a big, we just had a lot, there was a lot of fish out there. And so trolling was just like, it was harvesting, you know, we'd go out there and just harvest and, uh, you know, how much salmon do you really need at the end of the day? I mean, after a while, it's like, how you know, it's, you know I've I said mean? this before, one side of a salmon, especially over 20 pounds, that could, that's for you and your wife, that's two different <laughs> meals. You I mean, that's four flays on one side of a salmon, you know, it's substantial. Yeah, it's it is. huge. And, yeah. We did the math. I mean, it was like, you know, you know, literally, literally a ton. When I was, I started keeping track, even jigging. You know, later on, it was like we're jigging over a literal ton of salmon <laughs> out of my little boat, like a literal ton, an actual ton of salmon. <laughs> and we're like, and people are like, what are you doing? I mean, I like, give it away, and you know, there's some, uh, there's some, uh, some senior citizens, you know, in my life that I try to bless with. And I have a lady who cans it, and her husband smokes it, and they, you know what I mean. They give it away, so it's, you know, but yeah, it's like after a while, you're like how much of this do I, you know, how much salmon blood do I need to spill every year? You right. know, like how much is enough? And, and, uh, and so we started doing it and doing all that. And, uh, you know, the trolling thing was great, very efficient. And then I just got, I just said, you know, I want to do something different. And, and I think it's the fly fisherman in me that wanted to go back to the light tackle and play around with it. And so jigging was pretty underground still at the time. And I'd always seen people jigging out of Muskegon, especially. 
and driving by thinking, and everyone told me like, oh, they're just snagging. And I would, I couldn't get my dad to stop. I remember we go, I'm like, Hey dad, let's stop and see what those guys are doing. You know? And he's like, oh, they're just snagging. And we would just go troll. And I remember being home, uh, some late one, one labor day. And I, you know, my dad wasn't going to go trolling and it was kind of rough. And I said, you know, I'm gonna take the little boat out. So I took his little boat out and I just went out there and just, you know, observed what was going on there. And guys were jigging and doing stuff. And, and a lot of guys were using at the time one ounce spoons. Weren't a lot of options really for spoons, which, you know, crumb spoon works pretty good sometimes. I mean, that's all you need or gold. But, but I remember watching those guys and some of those guys are getting some fish and I'm like, they're no, they're eating these things. And, and so that just, again, you know, my brain just starts going crazy and saying, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to dial this in. And, uh, if you know me, when I figure, you know, when I put my mind to something, I try to, you know, we're going to, we're going to try to do the best we can. So, so I still remember being out there in Muskegon jigging and, and, uh, I still remember the first salmon I caught. It was like life changing. I mean, I had, a, I had an old rod that I bought. Uh, I still have that rod. I bought this rod for a dollar at a garage sale. <laughs> it needed a tip. It needed, I still have this rod. It's awesome. I, I in fact, I, I probably should get it back out this year, but it had, it was beat up. It had, it had, it had a broken tip on it. And I've had that rod with me all over the world. I've caught everything from bluegill to Dorado on that thing. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been to Alaska. It's been to it's been to Baja with me. It's been to you know, it's been to the Keys. It's you know, in Florida, and you know, and you know, it's I've caught bluefish in North Carolina with it. I've caught, and it's crazy. This this beat up old kind of throwaway rod. It just needed a little bit of you know, it needed to it needed a need some tweaking and some cleaning, and uh, it had completely new life. And uh, that was years ago. And so I was my I, I jigged my first king on that thing. And it's like a, it's, it's kind of heavy, but, um, but the rod is, but, uh, it, uh, man, that just, that just like the lights went on. Like, you know, I was like this, this is cool. I've trolled untold piles of salmon, but this is the way to do it. And when you can, when the season's right, you right. know what I'm saying? It's not always the best, right? But, but I'm like, if I can get this to work and be proficient at this, this is how I want to hurt. This is how I want to catch these things. Cause it's. You know, it's a it's, one-on-one battle with them more. It's more intimate. You know what I mean? It's getting back to like what you said that f- when you were seeking something different from the way you grew up, you went to fly fishing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, if it sounds it's kind of, if you want to romanticize it, I guess you could say it's more intimate with the fish. You know what I mean? You're, you're getting yep. away from all the lines out, all the, the motors going, the trolling, all that kind of stuff. And you're just, it's you with a single rod in your hand. And you know, it's a lot of your skill of, I'm sure jigging cadence and finding mm-hmm. locating the fish. And then it's after that, then the real battle starts is getting that up to the surface. Yeah, absolutely. And you, yeah, you nailed it. That's it. And, and once you, once you get, uh, once you get, once you do that, you're, yeah, you, you, you described it perfectly. It really is. It's a, it's one I want. We kind of joke around like with trolling. I mean, you can kind of blame, you know, certain things, all oh, the fish didn't get the hook or whatever. But like when you're, when you're jigging, there's no excuses. It's you and the fish. So, you know, it's like, here, you put a rod in your hand, 
you're going to go do it and you get a hit, you miss it. That's you, you know, like, right. <laughs> like and you can almost, you can almost guess what you have on the line, whether it's a King or a coho, because it seems like the coho, it's almost like the rodeo when they let the gate open for the first time and that, mm-hmm. bull, and that rider starts riding that bull. They're so yeah. erratic. Cause like, as you know, I mean, we'll get into the details of it if you want to get into technique and stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, I can remember hooking into my first coho jigging and I felt like I'd lost it, but it was swimming up towards the oh, surface. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it was going erratic. And when it got halfway up the water column, it shot back out going out towards the water in a perfect parallel yeah. line. And then it went down. It was like a rodeo, man. That's the only way I can describe <laughs> exactly. it. It's like, I don't know which way. This, it, yeah. yeah, I don't know which way this fish is going to turn next. Yeah, you know, the coho people know coho roll a lot too. They oh, do the coho roll, so they spin. Half of the fish sometimes are reeling in; they're coming in backwards. <laughs> they're like because they're just rolled up like a you know what I mean, literally like a yo-yo up the line. Yeah, and they just spin right up after a while. But yeah, no, they go nuts. And uh, kings, kings more like a big bucking bronco, like more of a. It's uh yeah it's yeah there it's it's a you know when you hook a king I mean it's like. You set the hook and you feel like you snag bottom. It's the big one. Like it's just like, Koo. and, and, and then, and then all of a sudden you're like, you feel the head shake. And if you can survive that, like the fish, the Kings, will, when you hook them, their mouth, they open their mouth and they're throwing their head back and forth. You can survive that and get them then to do their run. You know, Kings will do more of a run. Coho just goes, you know, fast out. I mean, they're just crazy. So yeah, it's uh yeah, you can definitely tell what you got on usually. So it's uh it's a pretty it's a it's a again i tell people uh that drive by us when they're trolling they go man that i bet that'd be fun catching a 20 pound king i go man it'll change your life is what i tell them as they go you know the troll guys go by us so um it's a it's a yeah yeah as you know it's a heck of a lot of fun well it's really changed your life i mean you you thought you wanted to find a new way to catch one of your favorite fish Mm -hmm. you come up with this unique custom lure idea and I mean, look at yesterday, yesterday, how busy you are making these things now. It's literally changed your life. This type of bite, this type of jig that you created. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, the, the business, the, the, the selling jigs was, was never in the, that was never the plan. It was, it was really, truly, I just wanted to build a better mousetrap. I mean, I, you know, it's like, and going way back to my fly fishing roots, my fly tying roots, you know, it's tying a better fly. It's, 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 that's your, that's your advantage on the water is having the best thing on the end of your rod. And you can be in the right place. You can be at the right time. You can have the right fish, but if you don't have the right presentation, it doesn't matter. And so, so I started making jigs You know, we bought stuff. I mean, you know, I started out Swedish pimples and and nothing against Swedish pimples. Swedish pimples are a Michigan company. They've dominated fish all over the world, you know. And uh, but I remember, you know, Swedish pimples was pretty much it. And then there was a few other, you know, a few other, you know, Chinese-made stuff out there, which there's a lot of that. And uh, and and it was funny because I had some friends that I made. Actually, one of my really good friends. He's one of the. I, I say he's one of the best salmon jiggers in the state. Um, my buddy Eric. He. Uh, I met him on the water and, and, uh, jigging in Frankfurt. We were the only two guys out there doing, it. he'd never seen anybody else out there jigging. I was like, I'm gonna come out here. And my, my wife, my wife and I were in the, our boat and 
Eric and Angela were out there and uh, we kind of hit up a conversation and became friends. And uh, anyway, we started fishing together. They had a place here in Traverse and and uh, he he him and I started talking and fishing together. And, you know, I just was I wasn't real pleased with what I could get the selection and colors and things. And so, like, if you combine, I guess if I guess make this in my brain, I guess it's kind of like fly tying. And my salmon trolling kind of got together, if that makes sense. Like, like all my knowledge of trolling and all my fly tying, tackle making type of experience came together. So the next step was naturally start making my own jigs. And so, so that's what I started doing. And I really made a list of things that I wanted in a jig. I said, you know, I want it to be tough. I want it to be, and a lot of Chinese stuff was falling apart. Hooks are terrible all these things. I'm like, I want these colors, you know, I want, you know, and I want to be able to go and have something better than everybody else. And so we would, so I literally made them for myself and my friends. That's really what I started making jigs for. It was never like, I want to sell these things. It was, I want to catch these as many fish as I can do in this. And so started playing around and learning, you know, learning a new, you know, a new craft, I guess you'd say. And, you know, stuff, early stuff was pretty crude and pretty rugged and dialing stuff in. We did a lot of time on the water and, uh, to, you know, come back to your point though, those, that early beginnings of doing that, I mean, I was thinking like, man, when I start doing this, it's well over a decade. Um, or I start selling, I mean, it's, it's been a long time now. Uh, I, I just made, I couldn't get what I wanted. So I started making them and, and it was a risk, you know, and sure. it, I, I, you know, it was a risk. It was like, this could be terrible. I mean, I, I sold some stuff to invest in equipment and some things and, and paints and learning and different. Again, I had a whole punch list of things I wanted in this. I'm like, if we can combine this attribute of this jig, this attribute of this jig and this attribute of this jig, and then make it not fall apart after three fish, that would be awesome. And so that's where I kind of went down that trail. We started making jigs. My buddy Eric actually was the first one ever to catch one on a Jonah jig and uh, bought a mold and, and uh, you know, and started making them. We kind of even left and my buddy Eric went out and he he was the first guy who caught a couple of salmon that night on, on a, it was a glow fire tiger. Because we're like, man, if we could have a, a super glow fire tiger jig, that would be awesome. And you couldn't get it. It wasn't available. So that was like one of our first colors. And obviously staging salmon, love fire tiger for whatever reason or hate it, depending on what you see, you know what I mean? The way they hit that thing. And, uh, anyway, and we and basically started making colors and things and it became, we were just destroying fish. I mean, compared to other people, people are looking at us like, what are you using? And so it became, it was very organic after that. I mean, people just were literally coming to my boat going, what the heck are you using? And my buddies were like, Hey, you should start selling these things. And anyway, the rest is history, as they say. Where did the name Jonah Jigs come from? Uh, we were kind of you know, being a you know being a pastor, uh, you know, most of my life, and uh, I was kind of playing around. It's obviously a biblical reference. People are like, people call me Jonah all the time, and they're like, "Oh, it's Larry." <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm like, "No, it's just Larry. No, no Jonah." Um, uh, but uh, I was really praying about that, and it was kind of you know, it's a play on Jonah and the big fish and that kind of thing, and. And, uh, and I was really, I remember that. I remember like, like thinking I'm praying about, I'm like, I should really actually, we were actually going to make this like a business, like an actual thing. 
And, and I was really praying and thinking about it. And I remember going to church that morning and, and our, and our, um, new series that we we're starting at our church was in the book of Jonah, which I was like, okay, Lord, that's it. I mean, I just kind of was like, you know, but the book of Jonah is really, um, you know, the story of Jonah, uh, if your listeners aren't familiar, obviously the big fish and three days in the, the belly, you know, it's really a story of redemption and God's, God's, uh, God's, uh, redemption for these people who are so wicked. They did not deserve mercy, but God is, was so merciful on them. And he sent Jonah, who was kind of an unwilling, um, unwilling servant and the Lord still used them. I mean, he preached like an eight word message and like saved an entire city. And, uh, anyway, it's just, I don't know. It's, it, so it's kind of the fishing reference and also, um, also, uh, you know, it's the fishing reference obviously, but, but you know, really, I dig it's it, man. It's cool. You got redemption. Yeah. So, and the other thing too, is Jesus loves fishermen. And so, um, you know, you look at the disciples, I mean, some of the, some of the prominent dudes and Jesus's crew were, uh, were, were fishermen. So they weren't the guys who had it all together, thought they had it all together. They were kind of the, you know, they're the regular dudes, the regular blue collar dudes. So, um, anyway, we so. can, we can use that with our, maybe our employers or bosses to take more time off. Be like, why mm-hmm. are you go? why are you going fishing? Well, Jesus loves fishermen, dude. I gotta go. I gotta get out there and fish more. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's an awesome story. It's a cool backstory behind it. Because honestly, like even before I met you, you know, I assumed your name was Jonah. So I'm like, I remember looking online, like um, trying to figure out who you were. I'm like Jonah, and I was like trying to tie it to like jigs and fishing, and like just Jonah jigs came up. I'm like. Who is this guy? God damn it. I can't find out who he is. <laughs> Jonah Jennings would be a weird name, actually. So yeah. I don't know. But anyway, so yeah. So yeah, just Larry. People are like, Larry. <laughs> Pretty funny. Um, so. so that's cool. So you, you you come up with this this idea. You put your twist on it. Um, in my opinion, the jigs are very unique. Um, what always catches me and I can kind of tell it's yours when I see it out on the water and other people's tackle boxes is that big eye that's on the mm-hmm. side of it. And I think that, um, you know, something like a, a staple along with your colors and things like that, that a lot of people, um, you know, really take to, and the, you, you have a unique shape, uh, of your jigs as well. What came into, obviously the quality is super high. I mean, these things, when you feel them in your hand, if you put, 10 of them to 20 of them in a tackle box. That's going to be the heaviest tackle box in your, Oh yeah. In, in your boat for sure. Hands down. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry mm-hmm. about that thing flying out down the road. If you just want to leave it on the floor, but, yep. um, you know, you cut, you have different offerings when it comes to sizes. So you got one ounce, one and a half, two and three. If someone mm-hmm. was like kind of getting into this for the first time and let's just kind of keep it on salmon here, coho and, mm-hmm. um, king where would they mm-hmm. where, where should they go to like start to figure out two ounces versus three ounces versus ounce and a half uh i would say kings i would stick with two and three ounce okay and that's and that's irregardless of irregardless of how deep you're fishing a lot okay. of people think weight equals depth has nothing to do with it it's drop speed and profile um Coho, I like the ounce and a half and two ounce. So actually on the website, we put together, because there's so many guys, actually it's crazy, guys calling me the last couple couple days saying, hey, I uh, 
I heard about this. I heard about you. How do I get started? So we, we created, we, 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 we call a custom pack and we try to customize it to the guy, you know, or the, or the lady that, uh, want, you know, want to get started. So we make it pretty easy. We do a baker's dozen, you get 13 jigs and, uh, kind of, kind of put that, you know, uh, but that ounce and a half to two ounce for coho and two to three ounce, uh, for Kings. Okay. And some days that then, and, I don't know how much you want to drill down on why, but no, I but uh, go deep, man. The three, the three ounce, and we play around with this. Like people, we don't just you know it's funny. There's a lot of people, and there's there are there are other companies now trying to rip off what we're doing and copy and do all that, and that's fine, whatever. Um, people know my stuff, and uh, and. And it's funny because there's a lot of people out there just doing, we, we joke, even in the fly fishing, like fly fishing community saying you get a lot of this too, a lot of arts and crafts. They're just painting stuff and making pretty colors, but they don't actually fish. They don't actually have the thousands and thousands of hours of collective knowledge that we're putting into these things. And so, so it's really interesting. We will have days where you'll have like pink tigers, like one of my favorite early season colors. Uh, pink tiger, run a two ounce pink tiger and run a three ounce pink tiger. And the three ounce pink tiger is getting smoked. And you move that jig around to someone else's rod and then they're starting to catch fish. <laughs> I mean, size, I mean, I'm not kidding. Like the two ounce and three ounce, we still got the two ounce in the water. It's not getting touched. It's like, here, let's swap jigs. And I won't catch any more fish on a two ounce. We give them the three ounce, you know, so and we do the same thing. Like the other night, uh, we were out and it was a tough bite. Fish were cranky. Water's hot. You get these hot spells. Like right now we're in, it's like 85 degrees right now. Right. Hot, windy, south wind, hot water stacking up. Those fish that are in the harbors are getting real cranky. And so a lot of guys will downsize. Like, oh, I need a one ounce or whatever. Me, I go bigger. I go more aggressive. And, and I'll run a three ounce. In fact, the other night, that was the, that was the trick. Um, Everyone was running a three ounce po is like a staple for us. Two ounce po. The two ounce po I think is like the staple. That's the standard, which is a chartreuse and white. We named it after my buddy Eric. Uh, the po was named after his dog who passed away that week. So po was a beagle that he had, and she was a sweetheart, and we named it after her. I love these names. I mean, it's so cool for me to learn the backstory <laughs> behind these names. I swear to God, this is what I love to hear, and this is like kind of the stuff I nerd out on because it's like, yeah. why does he call it Poe Super Glow? I'm like, I would, I'm super <laughs> curious about that. I would love to hear it. Now I know. That's cool. It's- most of our names, I'm not going to lie, early were, were code names, so people didn't know what we were using. Oh. So, like, literally, literally, like, before we were really selling them, we were like, we were like, oh, getting one on the Po, we're getting one, you know, another one on the Po, and people are going into bait shops going, what's a Po? I need the Po. And I laughed. I said, Eric, I said, we're going to make Poe a household name. And that's what I told him. And it was so funny. Him and I are just crushing fish. Yeah. And people are like, what the heck? You know, like. What are you catching you know, him like, on? Chili dog. Yeah, chili dog. <laughs> Chili's the other. Chili was his other dog. And that was his, that's the name of his other dog. So oh, my God. Now he's got, yeah, Chili and, uh, and Poe are gone now. But, um, but yeah, so, yeah, we've got, so we got, you know, some of our names are, yeah, they're pretty funny. And we got some that are, I mean, we've got some. You know, so we, we have fun with the names, but a lot of them were really original recipes, the same thing. People like original recipe, what's original recipe. And, uh, you know, magic elevator that was another one. My buddy was like, come on fish, ride the right magic elevator. 
And so he started, he just started crushing Coho on it that day. In fact, he outfished everybody. And he, he, uh, he's a, he was a, he's kind of a newer fisherman mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, there's something to this. I was laughing. I was like, <laughs> we were laughing. I'm like, I'm like, uh, yeah, the, the, the names are really, you know, became, were code words. So people didn't know what color we were using. And so that's, that's where a lot of that came from, but a lot of nonsense on the lake. But, uh, but we, uh, but back to the, the size thing, like you can use a three ounce jig and that faster drop speed. Sometimes when those fish are hot and cranky, upsizing and being more aggressive, amping up the aggression actually will trigger that bite. Okay. And yeah, so that's so I always like to have three ounces in the box. And uh, we were out on the lake the other day, and again, situation fish are not happy. I mean, they're just cranky. They're hot. Water is like seventy five degrees. They're cooked in there, and they're kind of trapped. You know, they're not going up river, and they're not going back out. There's so much hot water on both sides, and so they're hanging out in these holes. And we're jigging, and uh, a new customer is actually a, he's actually a guide. He came out, and he just had ordered some three ounce fire tigers. And that's all he, and I, you know, he said, I'm going to run the fire tiger tonight, three ounce fire tiger. I said, that's a good call. He's a good fisherman. He knows what's up. His first time he really was dialing this jigging thing in and it was, and, uh, he cracked a fish. There was, and, and then I, and I hit a fish too. We both had three ounce jigs on and no, everyone else was running two ounce. And there was like three fish caught all night wow. and we caught two. So, you know what I mean? And there's probably 16, there's probably 16, probably 16, uh, you know, fishermen out there and, you know, and so like we observe all that again, that goes back to observation. And, and so, you know, it's that, it's that, it's the drop speed. So the two and three ounce, if you're king fishing, which we have a king pack and then the coho is ounce and a half to two ounce. Okay. Um, when you're out there fishing, when people think that they're, you know, how to identify when a good time is to go out there, if you're looking on your graft, is it hundreds of them underneath you or can you hone in on smaller groups of like, let's say three or four coho and go after that small of a group of coho or kings, uh, whatever you can. I mean, coho and kingfishing is different. Co I mean, coho we're, we're, we're targeting a more out in open water. Mm -hmm. That's a different game. Um, kings, a lot of times we're targeting them in harbors where they're stacking up and concentrating. Okay. So coho. Yeah, absolutely. What we look for though, is we call it the meatball. We look for the meatball where you got like, I mean, just this wob of fish. Like, I mean, and we laugh like, Oh, we're on the meatball and here comes the meatball. You know, it's okay. like this, it's like this super tight school of coho coming through and those fish bite, those fish are like, it's like brace for impact. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's doubles and triples. It really is. It's like, Oh man, here we go. And, uh, yeah, that gets you going. So, so yeah, I, I you can, you can target you coho, coho don't tend to bite twos and threes. They, you really, the, my best, my best jigging is usually when you get, again, those tight schools on your graph. Hey, our graph. I, mean, goes, I know how old you are. You call it a graph because you used to have graph paper is what they use. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. But anyway, do they still call them graphs? Anyway, so, yeah. So, you're, 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 um, but you're a uh, sonar and, uh, you know, whatever, whatever you're using your imaging software or whatever imaging you're using. Um, the, but the, you know, you're looking for that tight meatball really is, uh, is what you're looking for, uh, of, for coho. Okay. King's the same thing, but, but Kings, you know, like this year, 
you know, we joke about trying to be the first people in the state to catch them on jigs every year, which we usually do. Um, but this year, I think it took me, it took me less than two minutes to catch my first fish this year. Uh, and we were, jealous. we came in, we pulled up and it was pretty funny cause I got my wife squared away and, and, and Noah's up front. And I'm like, I'm like, we made, we went to Frankfurt. We're like, let's just give it a shot. In a worst case, we're gonna hit we're gonna hit some ice cream, hit Joe Mo's for ice cream on the way home. That's all you know what I mean. So it was uh, that's kind of the joke. We're like the worst worst we're gonna do is we're gonna get ice cream tonight. So so we're, we took a drive out there, and there were not a lot of fish in the harbor. In fact, I even believe they were salmon. You know, it was early, way early, and we and there there was probably thirty fish in the whole harbor, mm-hmm. and we only fished for forty five minutes. We got there about nine. We got there late, kind of drug our feet. And we fished till dark and we were fighting fish longer than we were actually fishing. I mean, I, I, jig, I jigged, I jigged like six times. I had my first fish on this year and it was like, there was probably 30 fish in the whole Harbor, 50, <laughs> maybe 50. And so it was like the few early ones coming through are really snappy. Uh-huh. So, you know, you don't need piles and piles of Kings. Um, in fact, sometimes when you got the piles of Kings coming through, they're not biting and they're cranky. So it, uh, you know, if you can get those fish intercepting those fish, you know, help your help your listeners. You want to intercept those fish as soon as they come in out of the big lake or the next day. That's when they're snappiest. That's when they're most bitey. Gotcha. The longer they sit in there and soak, and they become more river fish, they start turn. You know, they turn stale. They start, yeah, they just get stale. Is exactly what we say. So yeah, exactly, hundred percent. So that's that's exactly it. They become stale. In fact, the last couple of fish we've caught have had they're getting the red bellies like from the heat stress. That's kind of normal this time of year for the early ones, right? And so, um, yeah, they're like they're like they're like silver, but their their bellies are red, like they're in there cooking, you know. So, yeah, so the early fish, so you don't need a lot of kings, is what I'm saying. Like in a in a harbor, if you're there and there's some of my best nights, I'm not kidding. We 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 mark very few fish, but the, the we there's there's the right fish. You know what I'm saying? Right. Is there a difference between the morning and night bite, or is it just still? catching that fr- that fresh batch of fish coming in if if uh if early mornings weren't so terrible um i would fish morning every time i think okay. i mean if it just if early mornings I, <laughs> old comedians say the lord wanted us to see the sunrise he'd put it in the middle of the day oh. so. <laughs> anyway but uh, but yeah no i mean if it wasn't 4 a.m and yeah. you know it's like oh you know you do that for a few days in a row that'll mess you up you gotta, so yeah so but i would fish mornings uh if i if i could choose right i prefer morning the morning bites tend to be good better uh if we do good at night and nothing's changed do everything you can to get back there the next morning. Cause if the night bites decent tomorrow morning, we're like, tomorrow's going to be nuclear. If, if, if everything, if the weather's stable and nothing changes drastically, no rainstorm or thunderstorm or anything crazy, you're like, you better get back there in the morning. Cause the morning bite will be even better. That's what I tend to see jigging. Right. Yeah. And that's been my experience too. I've, I enjoy mornings. Um, I think everybody would, mm-hmm. Like you said, it's just the the bear of getting up early if you can if you can weather it. Um, but it is, for me, it's just super peaceful to be out there. I feel more prepared in the morning than I do in the evening sometimes because, like you said, I'm I'm less observant in the evenings because I know my clock is ticking and going down. You know what I mean? Like Correct. I just want to get out in the water so fast. Mm-hmm. But if I get out there early enough, I I feel like I have a clearer mind and I can kind of think through things a little bit better. Yeah, but. Yeah. 
man, that's great tips. Um, anybody listening to this, you need to rewind and listen to the last 20 minutes again, because there's a lot of pearls in there that I think you threw out there and a lot of folks can benefit from where can folks go to kind of look at your offerings and, and how is the season right now? I mean, you've, the reason why we, we haven't been able to connect so far is because you've just been so busy building these jigs and going off. So that tells me that it's right now is a great time to get out there. And in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we, you know, every season is different, but it really, cause it's so weather dependent. Um, so the website's jonahjigs.com, J O N A H J I G S.com. And, um, yeah, they can find their jigs there. We're not in stores right now. The last couple of seasons, we just got away from doing, doing some of the stores and stuff. It got so crazy mm-hmm. with the, with the website and everything. And, and I'll be honest with you to circle back to what you said earlier about changing my life. You know, the Lord, Lord's put so many cool people in my life and I've been able to meet, we got to meet, you know, through all this, you know, and like all these, I, you know, the community of people that I've been able to meet and I'm very grateful for that. So, uh, so I, you know, we, we do, we just, you know, direct to consumer. So get them through us about it. And, uh, we stay, we stay plenty busy just doing that right now. And so who knows what the future holds, but, uh, we, uh, yeah. So through the website and local guys will come by and pick up, we have a, if you're in Traverse City, uh, we have on the website, you don't want to pay shipping. You just want to pick them up. You can also do a local pickup. So it's pretty easy. And we, you know, you'll get a text when they're ready. Come pick them up. But yeah, right now for timing, uh, now's, now's the time. Pretty much now until the, you know, as my buddy Russ would say, he's like, the wheel is turning. I mean, it's, it's going. So right. once, once the, 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 the pump is, the pump is primed, man. So the fish are, are coming through and, uh, that's, it's just, you know, now, now it's just picking your days and, uh, you know, what, you know, going when you can really, there's some days where we think we got these fish figured out and they surprise us. And so, well, it's encouraging that you, you said it's important to have multiple different ounces in your box at any time. And like you said, like you think the, the fish, the fish are being futzy or or they're just Mm -hmm. grumpy or whatever, but it's like, if you've got an arsenal of what your products have to offer, switch it up change your cadence, mm-hmm. go high yep. on the column, drop it lower. You know I mean? That's, yep. it's, yep. I mean, I, no one can say that, I mean, scientists are still researching salmon, all the ins and outs of salmon. How do they know where to go to spawn? <laughs> I mean, so for you to be like, I've got them pegged in and dialed in every single second of every single day, you're crazy because these fish, like you said, they're, they're finicky and why does three ounces work when the same color next to, over a two ounce and things like that. So mm-hmm. I think it's super important to diversify. Don't just think like you've got to click and stay with one, three ounce just to get Kings. It's, it's no, no. I, uh, yeah, no. Yep. It, it's super important to diversify all your colors and everything that you have the offer. And, you know, it, and it's great. You know, again, the reason why I had you on is I love supporting Michigan businesses. Not only that, you're a local legend. When I lived up in Traverse city, I was like trying to find this elusive Jonah guy <laughs> that finally you were kind enough to let me stop by your house and just hang out for a little bit. It was super cool to get to know you, mm-hmm. but you know, I really appreciate everything that you do. And I think, uh, you know, I admire your lures and your jigs and I think they're a great staple for the state of Michigan and into a unique bite as well. Well, thanks for the kind words, man. I appreciate it. You bet. All right, everybody, head on over to jonahjigs.com. Um, 
and then can they hit you up too on anywhere if they have questions to ask about certain things is there is it just through the website usually just send you an email through website there? um website or uh, actually my phone number is on there so uh yeah don't blow my phone up too bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah i put the mistake of my phone number on there i'm like oh man but um but yeah usually actually texting works really well because yeah, it does back, I, I'm I'm really terrible at email right now. It's like if I get to look at my email, it's a luxury right now. So um, we're uh, yeah. So it's <laughs> so yeah. Just shoot me a text or um, you can email too. But it, it, email is probably the worst way to get a hold of me this time of year. And uh, but text or call. So yeah. But they can hit me up. And uh, you know, pretty much we're not to let people know. I answer that question. I'll be like, All right, what stores are these in right now? It's like just get them direct from us, and we'll get them out to you. Our lead time isn't too bad, so uh, we're you know just earlier the better, you know. But if you're in Traverse City and you want to set up a time, we you know we set up an appointment. You know you can set up an appointment, come swing by and and uh, come on in. So Larry, see what we got. you're the man. I appreciate your time today, and uh, yeah, we'll see you out there. Awesome, thanks, Lee. All right, buddy. When you listen to Larry, doesn't he just sound just like Seth Rogen, the actor? I don't know. I just get that when I listen to his voice and <laughs> it sounds identical in my mind. But anyways, I want to thank Larry for coming on the podcast. Make sure you guys head on over to jonahjigs.com. Put your order in for those jigs now, folks. Now is the time to be ordering those, putting them to use, and filling your freezers full of salmon. So in the meantime, uh, as always, folks, thanks for listening. Make sure you head on over to the podcast and subscribe, and we'll catch you right back here for the next episode of the podcast. Thanks for listening.